Hello and welcome back to the Go For Two podcast. I am your host, Liam Horsley, and as always, I'm joined by a, well, actually an unhappy Eagles fan this week. <laughs> uh, Patrick, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Not bad. You sure you're, you've gotten over the uh, humiliating defeat last night? Yeah, remember I told you, pre-season, it's meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> we look raring to go. Joe Fluco throwing bombs out there. Oh, yeah, I know it was all. I mean, Eagles rested most starters last night. Barely any of them played. But seriously, you expect your backups to perform a little bit better than that, don't you? Thirty-five zip at home. So. At least uh, Mac Jones played well, and Cam actually also played pretty well uh, the whole preseason so far. So it's a bit of an interesting battle going on in New England for the QB one position. Yeah, you'd expect Newton to win it, wouldn't you? But I have seen quite a few uh, people saying Mac Jones is right in there, but I'd expect Cam Newton week one, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I think I've just been impressed with how well they both looked, to be fair. Um, Cam throwing the ball a little better after a bit of a dodgy year last year. So uh, maybe things are looking a bit better for for Patriots fans. But uh, that's enough for the preseason. We uh, said we wouldn't spend too much time on it. So, uh, plan for today. We've got some news at the start, as always. We're going to go through only four bits of news. Um, some Three really good bits of news and a real bad injury, unfortunately. And then we're going to go and preview the AFC North, which is our last division. Um, so, once that's done, we've done all eight divisions in the NFL. So, that's exciting. But let's kick it off with news first, mate. We've got a major contract extension. So, Jamal Adams is re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks. He signed a four-year uh, $70 million deal, $38 million guaranteed. Kind of resets that safety market. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the deal and Seattle getting it done just before the season, thankfully? Yeah, I really like Jamal Adams. I'm glad he's got the deal now because obviously there's something that the Jets didn't look like they wanted to do, did they? So that in, instigated the big trade. So, yeah, I'm happy for him to do that. love watching the guy play as well when he comes up to the line of scrimmage. and Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. What about um, your thoughts on the actual value? Do you think it's fair value? Because I know he's not your traditional coverage safety, which isn't great, but he does also rush the passer. So I guess there's a little bit more value in a player that can do kind of tackling, rush the passer, cover yeah, scheme. Exactly. Yeah, I don't mind the value at all. I mean, he, he does only have kind of two career interceptions, I think, doesn't he? Both for the Jets, they were. But I mean, last season, nine and a half sacks <laughs> from safety is pretty ridiculous, isn't it? So... Yeah, I yeah. did uh, read something that if they didn't offer him this deal, he got to franchise tag time. He was going to either try and uh, claim he's a linebacker or he was going to try and claim he was an edge rusher because of his sacks. But they managed to, to time down so it didn't come to that. But I think it's a good deal. Uh, I don't think they've got a couple of players, haven't they? They've got their Dwayne Brown, their tackle, also in a contract dispute. So I think it's good that they got Jamal Adams tied down. And it kind of makes that trade even bigger now because they give up two first round picks and $70 million for a safety, which is... It's pretty rare, but I think once you've done the trade, you kind of you kind of have to pay him. So I think that's good for good for Seattle. Um, next piece of news, slightly smaller. Then the Giants traded cornerback Isaac Edom to the Packers for Josh Jackson. I think Josh Jackson was a fairly high pick. So this is kind of two teams swapping corners. I don't know if you watched any of these two in college and have any thoughts on them, but I think the general consensus is it's just kind of two franchises trying to get a fresh start for two younger corners. Yeah, especially uh, Josh Jackson probably expected a little more than what he's produced so far. So, yeah, it should be interesting to see how he gets on there for the for the Giants. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, the next trade we have, a uh, slightly bigger one, actually. This shocked me a little bit. The Panthers trade uh, Greg Little, offensive lineman, to the Dolphins for a seventh-round pick. So, this surprised me. One, that it was only a seventh. And two, the Panthers have got a terrible O-line. And I don't know... It's just because of the depth chart and how camp's gone. But I thought Greg Little would be in a shot to start there. So clearly not. But for me, I thought he was an OK player, maybe better than what they've got and what they added in free agency. But they traded him to the Dolphins. It's a kind of a good flyer for the Dolphins. But it's a bit of a weird move for me, uh, just from the Panthers' side. I mean, the 37th pick he was two years ago. Now going for just a seventh round pick. Uh, Dolphins definitely needed it. I think they've looked a little shaky in pre-season on the line oh, people keep telling me so that's a good pick up for them but yeah 37th pick two years ago now just getting a seventh back for him yeah it's a strange one that a very strange one two of the worst offensive lines in the league they're making a trade together but 
Uh, I think it's a good flyer for the Dolphins. They did the same with uh, Isaiah Wilson, didn't they, from the, um, the Titans? But obviously he didn't quite work out. So hopefully they get a bit more, a bit more success with with Greg Little there. And uh, the final piece of news is uh, not happy at all. It's very sad news across the NFL. Carl Lawson, we saw a tweet come out yesterday about him getting carted off. It hasn't been, I don't know, it has I don't know if it has been confirmed yet, but the the rumours and it's nearly confirmed from 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 the sources in the NFL that uh, Carl Lawson's basically torn his Achilles. He felt a pop. He was holding the back of his foot. Uh, and that's what they were scanning him for was a torn Achilles. So if that's the case, which we believe it to be, he's going to be out all season. He'll probably be out for 12 months. So he'll be out for most of next summer as well. Uh, and just sad news. Good that he got paid before this happened, but sad news for a really fun player uh, and a franchise as well that seems to not have any luck in the Jets. Yeah, I mean, that's just awful, isn't it? Yeah. I'll be, the, the problem with this sport is you get so many injuries like this to big players in camp. It's... Yeah, it's it's a real shame for the Jets actually because I uh, keeping up with like the Jets news this summer they said he's been looking excellent in camp as well like they were really excited about getting into the season and obviously this has happened and yeah it's just a shame for the Jets really. Yeah, it is. I think their secondary, like we spoke about in our um, preview is not the best. And they were kind of relying on him and their interior pass rush to kind of generate some defence. And then hopefully that offence can go out and score points because the offence looks quite good. But I think this really affects their chances uh, as a defence. And I know they're not trying to win anything this year, but I do think we could have a really bad record on our hands here because he is so important to that pass rush. I'm just a bit worried about how they could look. But let's hope he recovers well because this injury can can really derail some people's long-term careers. And I think Carl Lawson's had two ACLs as well before. So he's had a very injury-prone career unfortunately so let's just hope he gets back to back to full health for, for next season yeah, yeah. um cool well that is all the news we have then written down so let's head over to our afc north preview uh as always we'll go through it in order of where they finished last year we're gonna that means we're gonna start with the steelers uh, they were 12 and 4 last year i think they were 11 and 0 weren't they and then they lost something like four of the next five games including the playoffs their win total is 8.5 which is uh maybe lower than some people think the schedule uh, is 31st in the NFL, so it's a very difficult schedule. Obviously, kind of half of the course, really, when you win your division, you're going to get a first-place schedule. Uh, roster additions, then, they've added Trey Turner, uh, offensive guard. They've added Melvin Ingram, uh, Joe Schober in a trade last week. Um, and then in the draft, they also added Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, and then Kendrick Green at the centre of Illinois as well. So some good additions there. Roster losses, uh, quite a few here. So they've lost three of their starting offensive linemen, Villanueva, Pouncey, and DeCastro, two of them set to retire. Uh, and they also lost Bud Dupree, pass rusher, Mike Hilton, their slot corner, and then running back, who kind of flattered to Steve a little bit, um, James Connor as well. So a bit of a strange offseason for them, mate. They kept Big Ben, they've restructured him. But I think they've lost a lot of players. They've lost a lot of experience as well. So why don't you just give me your general thought on how you think the off-season's gone for the Steelers? Well, number one, I mean, I do love this division. So, number one, it shocked me to remember that the Steelers actually won the division. Yeah, they did, yeah. Because they were horrible at the end, weren't they? They were absolutely horrible at the end of the season. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they've lost depth on the offensive line there this is kind of it really isn't it for the bought big ben back for one more ride this surely just has to be it now before they start to retool after that because i don't think that haskins is going to be the guy neither's rudolph so this feels like it's the last ride but i'm not going to show where they're riding to to be honest with you because i don't think they're going to I don't think they have the talent to win the division against two extremely good teams. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're quite confused all summer, really, about what the Steelers were actually doing, aren't they? Yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, a winning organisation. I don't think I don't think the coach Tomlin has ever been below five hundred uh, in the season, and I think that as a franchise, they struggle with the idea of not going all in. So they've kind of still gone all in, but just because of the off-season financially and the fact two of their, well, three, I think they had three players retire, two of which were starting O-linemen, I think that they were kind of pushed back into a bit of a corner a little bit. And, and if we kind of look at the offence first, 
they've got great weapons, yes, but that O line in front of the QB that is is very immobile for me uh, is a real big worry. So, what are your thoughts on the O line? Do you think that's going to be a real hindrance to Big Ben? Because he he didn't look great last year when that O line capitulated towards the end of the year. No, he can move in a like a one meter square area, <laughs> but you know you, you kind of expect that with his injury history and just his age really it's not like Brady's out there putting people in the spin cycle is he but (laughs) yeah overall they've lost the depth Trey Turner I don't mind that that pick up at all Kevin Dotson I quite like at left guard but I just don't see the tackles yeah they're bad tackles aren't they yeah tackles being good enough and that's a worry in the division where they are that is for me that's quite a worry yeah, and they also um, they brought in so they brought in um, BJ Finney who can play guard center but mainly center and Kendrick Green who's a center in the draft, but they're still starting last year's backup center as well Hassenhauer. So it's almost like they had a plan in the interior that hasn't quite worked, and then they've also been settling for for average tackle play. So I am very worried about that. And they have got great weapons. If we we touch on the positives, obviously Najee Harris, I know that you loved him in the draft. Uh, and obviously in college football, Deontay Johnson, very good. James Washington may get traded, but Juju and Claypool is probably two of the three big guns there with Johnson. I think they're all good. Tight ends is pretty average, but good in the red zone, I think, with Eric Ebron and, and Frymuth, who's a pretty good blocker. But I just, going back to what we said earlier, I'm just worried that that I think he was the quickest ever in terms of time to throw last year. And I think that's going to have to be even quicker because I don't think you're going to have time to get the ball down to these very good players uh, out wide. No, it's going to have to be a lot of slot work, isn't it? And I think Najee Harris is going to get an awful lot of touches. I think he might get more pass uh, passing down touches as well, just because I don't think the O-line is going to be great to rush. I think he's going to get a lot of dump-offs and uh, a lot of wheel routes, kind of a lot of screens and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of a shame, really, because those three receivers, of Juju, Claypool and Deontay Johnson, that is a... That's great three weapons to have, isn't it, together? But just, especially with, you know, I know Ebron, he's, he's took a lot of slack, hasn't he, in the past, but I do quite like him and Frymouth together, but mm, just barely just can't move and they're not going to be able to extend plays, are they? I think they're still going to win their fair share of games, but in this division, it's tough. Yeah, and we'll go on to talk about obviously the Browns and the Ravens later, but their secondaries are both very good as well, which doesn't help against a team that like this, where you can hopefully cover their good receivers for long enough to to kind of disrupt Big Ben. That could be could be a little bit of a worry, but we'll see. Um, in terms of the defense, it's similar in terms of age. There are a lot of elder statesmen on the defense. They've lost a couple of players from the defense, uh, like Mike Hilton was a slot corner that I loved. Uh, they've officially lost him. It's quite weird. You'll see in this whole preview, a lot of the players that have left these teams have actually joined other teams in the same division, including Mike Hilton. But uh, what are your thoughts on this defence? Because for me, it is a little bit old in places, but overall, the names are incredible uh, and the depth is very, very good as well. Yeah, it's the depth, isn't it? When you And then you're just kind of looking at the names like Devon Bush, Schobert, Melvin Ingram, all at linebacker, Alex Highsmith. Obviously, you've got TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward. Still, still going to be a pretty mean defense. They've got Minka at free safety, haven't they? And the cornerbacks are okay. You know, Joe Hayden's a little bit long in the tooth now, but. Yeah, I am surprised they didn't keep uh, Mike Hilton. I think the cornerback room is definitely the the weaker area, but they are in a division where. Two of the teams are going to run the ball a lot, aren't they? Which is why they've built the team this way. If you look at the linebackers and the, the nose tackles here, they're big guys that can stop the run. And then you've got some incredible pass rushes as well on the outside. So I think they've kind of specified the defense to beat the two teams in the division that they need to beat in terms of two teams that like to run first, I think, which makes sense. But yeah, I think out of division, they're going to have some high scoring games where some people just kill their corners. But I think the middle of the defense is very, very good. Um do you think TJ Watt can kind of elevate himself to top three pass rusher in the league this year? Has he got that sort yeah, of can, That's a big question, really. Can he go one more? He's probably only one more level he can reach. Do you know what I mean? Before he's at the top. So, yeah, I'd like to see that, to be honest with you. I mean, what does he have? So, I think he's got 50 sacks in his career in, what, four years. So, yeah, 
with 15 sack seasons, something like that, he could elevate himself to the absolute ceiling. I do like him as a player, though. I'm not quite sure he'll ever reach JJ's height <laughs> in his prime, but yeah. Yeah, he's a good player. Stefan too, as well. I meant, didn't mention him earlier. He, he's an elite rusher as well from the outside. So I think they're going to get to the quarterback quite regularly. I just think a lot of people are going to get to their quarterback, unfortunately. Um, so if we quickly now look at the let's look at the start of the schedule at least. Uh, bit of an up and down one. So they've got Bills in week one, then they've got the Raiders and Bengals week two and three, and the Packers in week four. So if you look at the first four weeks, it's very much a two and two start is what they should be aiming for. Uh, and I think that's kind of going to be the story of their season. They're going to beat the teams they should beat, and they could probably lose to the teams they should probably lose to. I just don't think the offense would be good enough to beat the top teams. But I think against the worst teams in the league, their coaching with Tomlin is going to be too good, and their defense is going to be too good. And I think there's going to be well, too well run as well. Yeah, it's got to be one of the best games of the first week, that, at the Bills. Very interesting. You could see that being a complete blowout or... The Steelers going to keep it real close. It's going to flip either way. Well, it was the Bills that started the downfall, wasn't it, last year? Of the Steelers, yeah. where they came in and, and torched them at Heinz Field. So, I do, I do wonder if there'll be a little bit of a revenge factor there, maybe. But I agree. I think that's a fun one. I think that's an early. I can't remember, but I think it's an early star as well. Yeah, it's six p.m. It's six p.m. So, so you're probably looking at the Sky game, aren't you? There for anyone that watches it over here. So I think that's a. A good game. Um, only thing I'd finally add is that they've got Matt Canada on the offensive staff. Um, likes to do a lot more motion, a lot more movement, a lot of play action, stuff that Ben doesn't really like to do. But the idea is if Matt can force Ben to do it, he's going to get a bit more time to throw. So we'll see if Ben if Ben does listen to that. But I think overall, elite defence and, and a very average offence just because of the line and the quarterback. I think that the weapons are, are very good. Win total then, 8.5. Obviously, they've had 12 wins last year and went 11-0 and to start the season. 8.5 is bang right in that zone, really, that's quite difficult to predict. So what are you going to go over or under that number? Absolutely horrible number, that is. Um, yeah, it's a bad one. It is bad because I'm expecting the other two teams to be very good. I'm going to go over just. I'm going to go over. See, I struggled with this one because I've had a lot of podcasts slagging off the Steelers since we started this. But when you look at Tomlin's record... He doesn't lose many games. Um, but I think, like I said, strength of schedule is very, very hard. I don't love the O-line, so I'm going to go under. Uh, then they're going to be a six to eight win team here, I think. Uh, well, Steelers win six games. That's a shocker, isn't it? I think they've got the most winning seasons in a row by, like, a lot. Yeah, they have, yeah. Yeah, yeah Coach Tomlin uh, has been incredible there. But I'm going to go under, I think. And I think if they, if they win eight games... With the new amount of games, obviously, that's eight and nine, isn't it? So that's under 500 regardless from my prediction. So, yeah, I'm not going to be popular with Steelers fans, unfortunately. But <laughs> I just, um, I'm too worried about that O-line. I don't think, I think Big Ben was terrible last year. So I'm going to stick to my guns on that one. Uh, let's move over to the next team then with a much, much younger quarterback who does like to move a lot. We've got the Baltimore Ravens. A personal favourite of yours here. This is one of your favourite quarterbacks in the world, I think, just so I get from our chats on, on WhatsApp. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favourite um, teams overall. I, I think I just get attracted to teams that run the ball a lot. <laughs> like an old, proper old school like NFL fans, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't like 60 throws per game. I do like it to be mixed up, you know what I mean? But uh, I just love the Ravens at the play. This is exactly why the podcast is going to be good all year, because as a Chiefs fan, <laughs> I am completely the opposite. <laughs> So it's going to be good. Uh, Baltimore Ravens then, last year 11-5. and five. They uh, they only just fell behind the Steelers in the end after a tough start. They had a lot of COVID problems as well last year, which is very interesting. Missed a lot of games. That Steelers-Ravens game was cancelled about three times, wasn't it, around uh, Thanksgiving. But yeah, they finished 11-5. and five. The win total is 10.5. Uh, so a couple more wins than the Steelers. Schedule-wise, it's 23rd in the league. Obviously, second-place schedule, relatively hard. They've got a couple of short, really back-to-back -back trips going over to the West Coast, which kind of makes that number a little bit worse than maybe it should be. Uh, then roster-wise, as always, the Ravens have done many clever things. They've added Villanueva from the Steelers, again, staying in division. They've added Zeitler, who me and you were shocked that he left the, the Giants. 
They've added Sammy Watkins and the Chiefs, Justin Houston, another ex-Chief, but played for the Colts last year. And then for the future, they've also added Jawan James, but he probably won't play much this year. In terms of the draft, obviously, had Bateman, wide receiver in the first round, along with Adafe Owe, again in the first round. Uh, then Ben Cleveland and Tylen Wallace, two later players, but again on offense. So very focused on that offense there. And then losses, obviously, Orlando Brown Jr. got traded to the Chiefs. Matt Judon got a huge payday to go to New England. Yannick Ngokwe. Uh, signed over with the Raiders and then centre Matt Skura and and well backup running back I guess Mark Ingram also also left the squad so uh, a typical Ravens off season really where they've let people leave before they get paid um, they've got their comp picks in they've signed some good veterans they've signed players like Zeitler on good money reports out of camp is that the O-line's not doing as well but you hope that changes uh, so I guess first question for you then on my notes I have is um, the passing game. I know you love running, but to win a, a Super Bowl, they're probably going to have to improve that area. Do you think they've done enough this offseason with this offense to improve the passing game? Well, overall, that you'd probably say no. It's going to kind of depend on how good Bateman can be. He's injured right now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah that so, was my next. That was my next note. Actually, you have at the moment they have Bateman, Hollywood Brown, uh, Andrews, and Sammy Watkins all injured as of yesterday. So that's not great for the passing game, is it? To be honest. No, I mean right now, if it was week one on Sunday, <laughs> I think we'd be seeing about a ninety-ten split in uh, run pass. And you'd but, be loving every minute of it. Yeah, <laughs> they're loving every minute. Just Patrick Ricard in at fullback on every play. It's great. But no, I think. The weapons on paper, it's it's okay. I think Bateman can elevate that to good yeah. if he can come in, shake his injury off, and be kind of the top of the second tier that we were discussing in the draft of the receivers. I'm I'll be hopeful there for him. And then obviously, you know, you got the O line. Can but Lamar Jackson kind of makes his own time, doesn't he? Back there, so it's. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They do need to elevate, like you said, to win a Super Bowl, elevate the passing game. Whether they can do it or not, I'm not sure. It's all going to be all about keeping games close for the Ravens. They don't want to be in any high-scoring games, especially come towards the end of the season and the playoffs. Yeah, it does seem a little bit kind of... Not typical, but it all seems to happen that when they play the bad teams, they're going to win by about 30 points, aren't they? They're going to keep running the ball. They're going to keep their foot down on, on the throat and, and they're going to win those games. But when it comes to the better teams, they tend to sometimes fall behind. And once they fall behind, that's where the passing game can slow down. Well, the run game slows down. The, the passing game becomes more of a focus. Even sometimes when they're only down one score, maybe they should carry on running the ball, but they kind of panic and want to try and throw the ball a little bit more but maybe haven't been quite ready but do you think some of that is down to Jackson himself like I know you're a big fan of him but what are your opinions on him as an actual passer do you think he's got areas to improve personally regardless of the weapons or do you think it was all the fact that he only really had two guys to throw to and that they weren't really elite targets last year no no I do think obviously it's well documented that he's probably got improvements to make he probably would say that himself of his accuracy Probably on kind of intermediate throws is probably not there and not where it is compared to the other elite quarterbacks. But yeah, it's a really difficult balance that they've got that when they do fall behind in games and teams kind of just drop, drop seven into coverage, it's then it becomes really, really difficult for them, especially with the zone. When they really struggle with like a zone defense, really, then they kind yeah. of only Mark Andrews seems to be his only weapon in the middle of the field, you know, for 10 to 15 yards. That's where I think they really struggle. And you'd think that that's what they've been working on. This. Yeah, I agree. They've added outside receivers and they obviously hope that the market improved that. Cause sometimes he's got that tunnel vision, hasn't he, on the middle of the field. He doesn't want to throw outside the numbers. Um he doesn't want to risk getting inceptions and stuff. I think maybe if he throws the ball outside the numbers a bit more, that could help. And then Mark Andrews will probably get open even more. If they know that he's not number one option every single time, he'll probably get more plays where he's where he is open. But yeah, I agree. I, we've spoken about this before. I actually like Lamar Jackson as a person, but I'm not overly high on him as a QB to try and win a Super Bowl until he improves that passing game. But he's so young, uh, 
that he can easily, easily do it. Um, in terms of the offensive line, I know I said in camp they've struggled a bit, but Zeitler was a clever move. Villanueva is actually a left tackle. They're making him play right tackle, and apparently that's where the, the issue is, that he's not used to playing there. But as a veteran, he can uh, hopefully improve that. Final question on the offense is at left tackle for me. So are you hopeful that Ronnie Stanley can come back after that injury be himself? And if it takes him a while to get going, do you think we could see a bit of a slower start for the offense just because that left tackle position is so important in the passing game? Yeah, I think maybe you could see a slower development in the passing game, and maybe they'll stick to what they know as a you know a sixty forty run pass ratio, and then look to evolve as he gets fitter as the season goes along. Yeah, I mean it's a big if he's not himself, or if he kind of breaks down again. I think that probably could be curtains for the Ravens' season, to be honest. Yeah, I think it'll lead to a lot more running, wouldn't it? A lot more scramble plays when he's under pressure, which Lamar is good at, but you don't want to put him under that pressure the whole time. It's not going to help a structured passing offence, is it, if he has to run around like a madman all the time? But I think that'll be an exciting offence, for sure. And we'll talk about schedule a bit more in depth in a bit, but there's some interesting games early on that, that maybe they could take advantage of. Uh, let's move over to the defence then. Again, they've done the same where they've let pass rushers leave and they've kind of refilled their spaces with just either veteran options or, or stabs at young players. They seem to do it every year. Uh, linebackers, again, they've got a couple of experienced guys and then a couple of younger guys. Hopefully Patrick Queen can take a bit of a leap. But they probably, for me, got the best, well, no, maybe second best behind the Broncos secondary in the NFL. So what are your thoughts on this defence? Yeah, I mean, you just look down the depth chart, don't you, and you go, this is good. This is what you want your team to have. Yeah. You know, Wolf, Calais Campbell, McPhee, you know, across the line. It's great. Chris Smith, decent backup on the edge. You know, like you said, I'd love Patrick Queen to take a step up this year. I, I expected a little more out of him last season, even though he was, he was played to quite a good level, didn't he? But we've got Bowser as well, linebacker, I really like. But yeah, that the secondary is good. Obviously, led by Marlon Humphrey. It's, yeah, this did make this division is so stacked on defense. Yeah, it's it's, it's probably it's definitely it's their best division defense wise because the NFC West struggles because Seahawks suck on defense, but uh, the Ravens are yeah they're very good. I think one thing about them is what is not stable in football. I'm sure everyone listening to this knows is is obviously turnovers. They're very up and down from year to year. But what the Ravens have done, they put a corner on each side in Peters and Humphrey, who both generate a lot of turnovers. And there'll be one season when Marcus Peters gets hardly any interceptions. That's because that's just the way that football works. But when you've got another corner on the other side, who generates a lot of turnovers on the other side. I think that helps them because they're always going to have one corner in, in a four or five game spell that's generating some turnovers. And when you add a player, Jimmy Smith's that list as well, who's not necessarily as good at turnovers, but he's good at stopping people one-on-one. I think that helps them. So I think they've got an elite secondary. They've got Sean Wade as well, who was like a first, second round pick until he had a very slow season. They're going to try and turn him into a safety, and I think that could help them. Um, but I, what you said earlier is interesting. I think Patrick Queen, for me, if he takes a big step forward, their defence could go to another level and it could be the best defence in the league because I think he has that talent. Um, I think he's good in coverage, but last year he had the most missed tackles in the league. And it was something like, I read a stat, that how many tackles he missed in one season was more than what Luke Kickley missed in his whole entire career. So it was a lot of uh, a lot of tackles missed. So hopefully he can improve that area. Uh, what are your thoughts on the pass rush? Again, they kind of kind of hodgepodge it all together, let people leave before they pay them. But I love Justin Houston. I'm obviously biased towards him as a person, but I like Calais Campbell a lot, and, and I think Derek Wolf could do a job on the outside as well. So do you think they've got enough outside to do a job? Yeah, I think so. I think collectively throughout the whole defence, it's not that you look across the line, you wouldn't say that the line was elite on its own, would you? But it's kind of got the depth there and with the linebackers then and then the safe, you know, the secondary protecting behind you. It's going to be good enough, definitely. I love Calais Campbell as well. Still, still. Best, best, best voice in the NFL. It's got, it's got a very, uh, very good voice. But uh, they also blitz a lot. They were like number one and number two in the last two seasons, uh, blitz packages. So 
they blitz a lot, which is how they generate pressure, and that's why they have to have such a good secondary. But it does it does work for them. Uh, final note then before we move on to the just look at the start of the schedule, uh, I'll just add that on the hot seat, I think offensive coordinator Greg Roman has to be a name to look out for because uh, in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, he had an elite run game, and then after a season and a half. Uh, they need to pass the ball more, and the passing game is just too kind of bland, basically. It's too obvious, too easy to play defense against. So I think this could be an important year for him, and I think if they don't improve on the passing-wise, I think that Greg Roman could be fired because I think anyone could scheme up a, a good run offense with Lamar Jackson. Not as good as Greg, but good. Uh, and I think anyone could do a better job passing-wise at the moment. I think he needs to develop, so... Uh, let's see. Let's see if it does that. Have you got any thoughts on Greg Roman? Because uh, I know he's been a name around the league for a while. Yeah, I mean, he was even whispered for a head coaching job, wasn't he, this past summer? Yeah, he was. Yeah, it's like you said, it's going to be kind of if they can take a step up in the passing game, I think he's going to kind of look great, isn't he? And he'll be back in the head coaching circle next summer. But if that stays the same or comes back down, then it can probably forget about it, can't it? Yeah, completely, completely agree. Um, right, start of the schedule then. Obviously, said overall, it's kind of middle of the pack sort of level with a couple of tough away games. But to start the season, there's some relatively good games there. So they've got the Raiders away first game. Uh, I think that's Monday Night Football. Then they're at home to the Chiefs, which is a game they historically have had bad luck with, but that could easily turn around this year. And then they've got the Lions away, Broncos away, and then the Colts with Carson Wentz at home. So you think that first six games of the season, five, six games of the season, could be a relatively positive start for the Ravens. And once they get going, they're a team that seem to just carry on throughout the year, aren't they? Yeah, you'd expect so. And also for the Raiders in Vegas, brand new stadium with fans. You don't want to be playing the Ravens, do you? In the first game. No. No way do you want to be playing the Ravens. Start defence and then you're going to get run all over in your brand new stadium full of fans. Oh, I'm not sure. The schedule's <laughs> not been kind there, has it, to the Raiders? But it's yeah. a nice start for the Ravens overall. Not, obviously, Chiefs aside, they'll be rubbing their hands together at the quarterbacks that we're playing. Carr, Goff, Wentz. Bridgewater in the first five weeks. This is pretty nice that I'd expect them to either be four and one or five and oh. Yeah, it's not to the end of the year. They've got a bit of a tricky one. I think the Browns have got, we'll talk about the Browns next, but they're obviously joint favourites to an extent for the division. And I think the schedule goes, um, they play the Browns, then they play the Steelers and they play the Browns again, whereas the Browns have actually got a bye week in between. So the Ravens are going to have to go, like I said, Browns, Steelers, Browns, which is going to basically, for me, determine who wins the division. So I think that end of year schedule is tough, to be honest. Yeah, very tough, because then they got the Packers straight after that. So Yeah, that's not, not, a nice, not a nice end, but hopefully for them they'll have enough wins before. But we will see. Uh, over under then, 10.5. I think I know where you're going with this one. But it's, a, again, pretty well-priced number, actually, 10.5. So over under for you. Yeah, it is. I'm going to go over, but it is a such a tough division. I don't think it'll be miles over that. They won 11 last season with the extra game. They're saying 11-12 max. It's a tough, tough division. It is a very tough division. I'm going to go over as well. Uh, I see them as... a. Uh, 12, 12-ish win team. So I think 10.5 is a good number to hit, to hit the over. Uh, right, let's move on to the next team then. They finished third in the division, the Ravens' rivals for the for the division title potentially this year. We've got the Cleveland Browns. Um, crazy now. I think they're actually favourites by the bookies to win the division. I think five years ago, if you'd have told a, a Cleveland fan that, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they would believe you. But anyway. 11 and 5... You could go back in multiples of five, and believe <laughs> yeah, five, ten, yeah. or fifteen, twenty. It's yeah, it's not. We could get back to Jim Brown era, can't we? Before we see that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Eleven and five last year. I think they only came third because of uh, tiebreakers. The win total is ten point five as well, same as the Ravens. However, schedule-wise, they've got the third easiest schedule in the NFL, so a really, really good schedule, partly due to that, what I said earlier with the bye week right between the Ravens games. Uh, roster additions then, to be honest, is all defence. They've added Jadeveon Clowney, they've added um, Jackson as well, they've added Troy, who's a linebacker, they've added Troy Hill, uh, they've added John Johnson, 
also from the Rams, who can come over and play safety. They've added Anthony Walker, who was the linebacker for the Colts last year. So they've uh, they've really added some uh, some good defensive players. And then in the draft, they also added Greg Newsom, someone that you love. They've added JOK in the second round, uh, Schwartz wide receiver, and then tackle Hudson as well. So they've added some some good players. In terms of losses, they haven't lost loads. They've lost Carl Joseph, who was a good player for them last year, Larry Ogunjobi, who stayed in the division as well, and they also lost Sheldon Richardson over to Minnesota. So uh, a pretty good offense, a pretty good offseason for them, well, capitalizing on Baker's uh, contract. But I wanted to kind of start the conversation on the defense because they've improved it so much. Uh, is there any worries, Patrick, about this defense that it's very, very young overall? Uh, I would probably say no. I, I feel like it's so deep that mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be top five, I'd imagine defence in the league. They've got some scary pieces. It is obviously young with, if you're going to be relying on the rookies to come in, but I'm not even sure that they'll even start. There's a new son. I'm not sure he's going to start over Greedy Williams, the right cornerback. Obviously, Denzel Ward to the other side, isn't he? Yeah, Troy Hill as well, corner. He's got a chance to start for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Then it's safety with Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson, they've got Grant Delpit as well from LSU, drafted last year. I just think it's so deep, I'm not worried about the the age at all, because I think we're up front, obviously, Miles Garrett, the freak, and Malik Jackson, his time in the Eagles was disappointing, but only because of injuries. If he can stay healthy, then that's going to be pretty scary, especially with Clowney on that side. Yeah, they added Tack McKinley and Clowney as well, two players that kind of haven't quite lived up to their potential, but are very elite in terms of their, their athleticism, at least. So I do wonder, what are your thoughts on Clowney? Do you think he can make an impact when, obviously, he's not going to have as much attention because Miles Garrett's going to get doubled every time yeah. on the other side? I think when Miles Garrett is the opposite end to you and you're going to leave Clowney probably one-on-one, most, I think you can see an uplift in production this year. Um, he's one of the best running Defenders in the league as well, isn't it, Clowney? So, it's, yeah, this is a good defence. It is a good defence. This division, well, not all of the four teams. We'll come on to one team in a bit. But the defences are just crazy. They could honestly have three in one division, could have three of the top five defences in the league. If not, they'll probably be top seven. Obviously, you've got a couple of other teams as well, but I think it's elite on defence. I think overall, going back to something that maybe don't talk about that much, I think their run defence will be pretty good. Uh, I think that Melly Jackson, they've got Billings, they've got Sheldon Day as well, who, who played a bit well last year. I think he's, he's a good run defender. Curtis Weaver is a, a rookie. He can defend the run very well. He's good at setting the edge from the outside. Uh, I think they lost one of their linebackers today to a season-ending injury, but it's not Anthony Walker, and I don't think it's Mac Wilson either. So I think overall their their linebacking core is pretty good as well, stopping the run. So I think against the Steelers and Ravens, who are still going to try and run it a bit, I think that the defense is, is pretty well placed for that. Um, but let's move over to the offense then. Uh, I love Odell Beckham, so I'm going to save him to second. But my first question for you was, Baker Mayfield, is he truly an elite quarterback or... Is he just being coached by someone who makes it very easy for him with all these boots and rollouts? Uh, and something that got described on NFL Live the other day is the easiest offense to run as a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that, I see that as kind of no shame on Baker Mayfield. It's kind of saying, like, why do you not want to make it easy? Why do you want to make it difficult and expect your quarterback to fit everything in the tightest of windows when? You've got two incredible running backs on your team. Uh, I don't think he's elite, but I would love to see him take a step up this season. I think that's probably the one position that is holding the team back, maybe even from the Super Bowl. Just can Baker make a few plays in the big games that matter? Obviously, the Went to the playoffs last year, didn't they, for the first time and put a beating on the Steelers in the wildcard game. I know they came close, but then against Kansas, they they should have won, really, shouldn't they, that game. And it just all kind of, on offence, capitulated in the second half when really they should have been wrapping that game up, especially with Mahomes going on the sideline. 
Yeah, it's a tough one with Baker, really, isn't it? It's You kind of want him to take that next level up, because I'd like him. I like his character as well, but I'm just not sure he's going to be able to. I like the fact they've added Case Keenum as backup. Obviously, we've worked with Stefanski in, uh, in Minnesota as well, so I think that was quite a clever move for the offence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they've got a nice, it's a nice one-two there, isn't it? But I yeah, think... in case in case Baker has one of those weak months where he throws loads of interceptions or if he gets injured, you've got someone who can come in and at least run the offense relatively well. Like, I think that's a good thing for them. Uh, they kind of remind me of the Ravens in the setup where it's obviously they've got incredible run game, but then you just need that passing game. Just take it up one notch and then you're going to be AFC Championship kind of level team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that their worry is that with Josh Allen taking such a leap forward, Lamar Jackson in the division, and then obviously Patrick Mahomes, that it's going to be very hard to win the AFC if you've got not a top five quarterback, you know, in the AFC, which potentially they haven't got. So I think that's going to be difficult for them. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think he's elite. And to be honest, I wanted, we'll talk about it a bit more, but I wanted to go under this number, uh, 10.5, just because of Baker, but the team is very, very good around him. Uh, that leads us on nicely to Odell, obviously coming back after an ACL injury. Uh, a lot of issues between him and Baker. Baker and him, just on the field, not off the field, but uh, their target share is, is not great. He tries to over-target Odell sometimes. They don't have a lot of yards between the two of them. Most of Odell's yards are coming from trick plays. Um, he had a lot, doesn't he, of like jet sweeps and sort of reversals around the side and uh, a couple of Landry to Beckham throws as well and vice versa. But yeah, there's a bit of a weird one there. Do you think there's anything to it? Do you think that maybe this off-season together with him being healthy in training camp might have helped them and Baker and him can get a bit more of a rapport going? Yeah, you would hope so because this is, is this their first proper camp? Was he injured in camp last year, Beckham? Uh, well, no, he definitely... So he was injured in, they didn't have any OTAs, but he did participate in the, the pre-season camp. But there were no pre-season games, were there, after his injury? Right. So he was kind of in on the cold, whereas now, obviously, they have a full camp together. You would hope that that was going to fix the issues because, yeah, I, I do agree. It's always been trying to force getting it in his hands. I don't quite understand kind of like the jet notions of from an Odell Beckham perspective you know what I mean I want him out wide I don't need the ball in his hands every single play but yeah it also became so dependent on Jarvis Landry as well that seems like Beckham never gets the easiest catches and I think the Browns will be open that Donovan Peoples-Jones steps up a level this year and I think that could open up some space in the passing lanes I think he's Meant to be having an excellent camp, so that'd be interesting. Yeah, I heard the same thing actually, and I listened to the, the full ten yards podcast, and a friend of mine, Josh, who's on there, was was discussing that and talking about uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. He's he's had a very good camp. I think I don't know. I think he played in the preseason first preseason game as well, and he was good in that. So they're hoping for a bit of a leap for him. Obviously, Rashad Higgins, not not T Higgins, some people think, but Rashad Higgins uh, had a relatively good year last year, so maybe he can take a leap. They've added Schwartz for a bit of pace, but I think overall it is a running team. And I know you love Chubb and Hunt as well, but a lot of it is due to that O-line. So do you think this is potentially the best O-line in the league and that's kind of where this team's going to kind of hang their hat on offensively? Yeah, you'd certainly say it was top five, wouldn't you? And I mean, you're not going to change the record, are you, when you've got Chubb and Hunt back there? Two, both two different type of backs as well. It's, yeah... I know where I'm going on the over-under anyway. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. I could tell. Um, but no, I think they're good. They're the best one-two punch running back-wise. For me, I think it's the number one offensive line in the league, if not number two. It's that good. I think Jack Conklin addition was, was insane. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more from Austin Hooper, the major addition last year, and kind of only used in run blocking, really not used in the passing game as much as you'd hope. And they had to end up using Harrison Bryant a little bit more in the passing game. So I'd hope for them that Austin Hooper uh, is used a bit more. Because in Atlanta, he was a pretty good tight end. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Nice one-two punch with uh, David and Joku there as well. Yeah. Let's see Stefan. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Well, let's pa- pass over then just to look at the schedule a little bit more. Like I said, it's uh, 
it's an easier one. So what are your thoughts on how it starts? Well, I mean, the game of the week, isn't it? This is the first week at Kansas City, replay of the playoff game. Then after that, it looks absolutely amazing if you're a Browns fan. Texans, Bears, Vikings, Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos. You can keep going and going. It's a yeah, it's a great schedule. Stiffens up toward the end a little bit with the, you know, the Ravens twice in a row, just with the buy in between, and then the Packers and Steelers again. But it's a nice schedule. I'm all in on that first game. Nine twenty five UK time as well. That is great. And uh, I'm going to be on holiday watching it on an iPad, so I'm not sure it's going to have the same effect. So I don't think I'm going to find a pub in a tiny town in Devon that's willing to stay up uh, and keep the telly on till, what, probably 1am to watch this game. So I think I'm going to have to watch it on the iPad, unfortunately, but it's definitely a good one. And they've also got Packers away on Christmas Day as well, 9.30 Christmas Day. So oh, two of the best games like all... Yeah, I know. Two of the best games all season the Browns are going to be involved in, in week one and then... What's that, week 15 or 16 at the end? So uh, definitely definitely going to be a fun fun season for the Browns. Uh, Over-under then, 10.5. We both went over on the Ravens. Um, what are your thoughts on the Browns? Yeah, I'm going to go over. Like I said, I'd expect 11-12-ish from both Cleveland and Baltimore. Yeah, like I said, I wanted to go under. I don't think they're going to be as good as people think, to be honest. But... The schedule is so easy due to the third place that I think they're going to go over just. I think they're going to be a, an 11-win team, potentially. Uh, and I think the Ravens and them are going to have to battle it out in the second game to see who wins that to win the division. I think the Ravens may do that, but I think the Browns will, will go over as well. But it would not shock me if they won 10 games and just went slightly under, because I think that would be, what, 10-7, and seven, comfortably probably in the playoffs. But... Uh, yeah, I think probably just over as well. You've, you've managed to convince me, mate. <laughs> uh, last of all, then, the Bengals seem to always finish last in the division now that rounds uh, are good. 4-11 uh, and 11 last year. Uh, were they 4-11-1, actually? Didn't they draw with the Eagles? Yeah, it was a big tie with the Eagles with big playoff implications that never happened. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, win total 6.5 then, which is a little bit higher than I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, schedule-wise, though, 28th in the league. They've got a lot of short road games. They've got a lot of uh, West Coast trips. Don't they play? Oh, they don't play in London, do they? Sorry. But they um, they play away twice in a row as well, which doesn't help. But, yeah, not a great schedule. In terms of roster additions then, they added Trey Hendrickson to replace Lawson. Riley Reefs come in at tackle. Mike Kilton from the Steelers. Larry Ogunjobi from the Browns. Uh, to keep it all in the division. Then the draft, obviously, they went with Jamar Chase, which people didn't didn't love. Uh, Jackson Carmen in the second round, and then Joseph Asai as well, which was a, another good pick. I think that was the second round as well. But he was a pretty, pretty good pick. Then, first of all, I guess this is kind of linked Burroughs' injury, um, but that was due to the O-line. So the O-line apparently has had terrible issues in camp, hasn't looked much better, if not looks worse, but on paper they're better. What are your thoughts about the O-line and how good does it need to be for them to stand a chance just to winning some games? Yeah, it's certainly going to need to be a lot better than it is last year. It's kind of retold a little, hasn't it, with Riley Reef there and what else they've got added in. But I don't know, I've been hearing some bad stuff about Joe Burrow as well through the camp. He's not looking comfortable at all. Yeah, after that ACL, apparently, which I do wonder, that's what I'm saying, I wonder if it, well, I don't wonder, I think it is, I think it's linked, obviously, his bad performance with an O-line that's still not holding up, like, has he got time to throw, is he just kind of worrying about things too much because of that O-line, it's a, it's a tough one for them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, I'm sure, I mean, I'm no, no expert, as I'm not a quarterback in the NFL, but I'm sure that's just going to come back with reps, isn't it, and just repetition all the time of playing but I really really hope that he can fulfill his potential and become a star in the league because I mean he was obviously it was huge news wasn't it when he came into the league from LA after his season at LSU but yeah I'm slightly worried about what I'm reading this season this off season yeah, I agree. I'm a little bit worried about it as well. I love Joe Burrow in college as well, but it's not even been a full 12 months for the for the knee. So, And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that he's going to start week one of the season. 
and I don't know if he's going to be ready to start. I just they're they're an organisation that do do things like this badly sometimes, and I just hope that they don't ruin his career through injury. Um, and I think one thing that was missed last year was everyone said that they wanted Penny Saul in the draft, which. I probably still would have picked Jamar Chase, in my opinion. Um, but the actual, a lot of the pressure was interior pressure. It wasn't at tackle position. They've added Riley Reef, experienced tackle to play on the right side. Jonah Williams is a, is a good left tackle. But yeah, they haven't really fixed the guard situation. And Jackson Carmen, who they thought would come in and start, he, he has apparently been very overweight. His feet look slow. He's been pictured out every Saturday night um, in, in Cincinnati, going to nightclubs, and then he's coming in overweight. So it really seems like, for me, that interior is the problem. You can have Quinton Spain, you can have Price or Hopkins, and Billy Price is the worst centre in the league last year. And you can have Michael Jordan, not the basketball player, but another one, or Jackson Carmen playing right guard. And I think that interior, for me, is just as bad as last year. And it doesn't matter how good your tackles are, if people are going to rush you up the middle, and you, you're Joe Burrow who's worrying about his knee, I don't think that's going to be a recipe for success for the offense. Not at all. If he's going to have to kind of scramble to his left and right all the time if the interior pressure's coming five, six times a drive because the argument that every analyst was making wasn't they over Chase, over Saul is well if he's got Chase he can get the ball out of his hands quicker but I'm just not sure that that's a sure plan right now for Burrow I'm just not sure that this is going to happen at all yeah, just, I mean, you look down the offence, though, they've got good weapons, so theoretically, getting the ball out early seems like a good like resolution, doesn't it, straight away? Yeah, they got one of the best receiving cores in the league, with obviously Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they're all young and they're all good as well. Auden Tate's not a bad fourth option. And then you've got Joe Mixon, who's a, a good bell cow back, but can also cast, uh, catch out of the backfield as well. So they've got great weapons there. A tight end room is a bit bit mismatched, quite young to be honest, but uh, running back and receiver, they're, they're very, very deep, so they should have a good offence, but again, it's that offensive line that we keep coming back to that is just a worry, isn't it? Yeah, just a worry, and then Burrow just coming off his injury and could spiral from there, to be honest. I don't expect the Bengals to have a good offence. No, neither do I. Let's let's move over. I've got one more offensive topic later to do with uh, the coach, but let's move over to the defence then. Uh, Sam Hubbard got an extension this offseason. Uh, quite a good one, actually. Larry Ogunjobi, like I said, came over. To be honest, their interior defensive line is pretty good. They're going to be able to stop the run quite good. I think Trey Hendrickson was a bit of an overpay for someone who's only ever had one good year. But I like the fact they got Joseph Osai to back him up. So I actually quite like the front four in whatever context they start in. I think linebackers is very average. Um, and the safety is okay. Uh, in, sorry, the safety is very good and the corners are okay. Obviously, Jesse Bates is one of the best centers in the league, but uh, Awuzi and Trey Waynes are not the best. Mark Hilton hopefully plays slot, which I said earlier I like, but I think the defense is okay, to be honest. I, I think it's probably a stronger unit all round. It hasn't got as much star talent as the offense, but I think the defense is okay. But the problem is, are they going to have to score so many points? Uh, sorry, have to keep the points so low because of the offense that it's, it's kind of pointless. What are your thoughts on the defense overall? Yeah, overall, all this would be a kind of middle-of-the-road defence in any other division, but it just looks the worst defence, doesn't it, compared to the other three teams? But I just yeah. don't think this is a bad defence at all. They've probably got, I mean, Jesse Bates, I'd say that they're the best safety in the division over I mean, Fitzpatrick. I think he's probably one of the most underrated players in the league because Cincinnati have struggled so much the last few years. But then I agree with you on Hendrickson, a little bit of an overpay. Lost Carl Lawson, didn't they? So, yeah, I like the interior as well. I think they've got a bit of depth there, and Mike Daniels as well. So, overall, this is pretty middle of the road, isn't it? I don't like the corners, though, at all. I mean, they've got Eli Apple, haven't they? Back in the <laughs> corners, I don't like the corners. Uh, corners are very, very average, unfortunately. That's the only weak group, very truly weak group on the on the defence. But uh, last question then before we talk about schedule. Uh, Zach Taylor, uh, very much like I said earlier with Greg Roman, he's also on the hot seat. I think he's got the worst record now of any uh, starting head coach for this season. And they've, won, like, they've won like six games out there in his two years. It's a terrible record. But um, the offence has been very hit and miss for someone who's supposed to be an offensive coach. They've had a lot of kind of issues getting defensive coordinators in. They've had some issues 
controlling draft picks like Jackson Carmen with his weight issues. So what are your thoughts on Zach Taylor? Do you think this is going to be a, an important almost start to the season for him so he doesn't get fired in the season? Yeah, I have no idea how he keeps his job, to be honest, because I'm not <laughs> not in like a, in a malicious way because I just don't think that the Bengals are going to be able to win enough games. And I just think that's what it's going to boil down to. I mean, he's got a terrible record the last two years. He doesn't look particularly inspiring either, does he? You know, no, he doesn't. And in just in press conferences and just what I've seen, what UK Bengals fans have been saying about him and just, yeah, they like him. It seems like a nice enough guy, but I just don't think that it's... I don't know how many games they need to win this season for him to keep a job, to be honest. Yeah, he was on the uh, the Ringer podcast flying coach with Sean McVay. Cause obviously, he was the Rams uh, passing game coordinator, so he's close with Sean McVay. And that was quite a good chat, to be honest. But again, it still didn't fill you with complete enthusiasm for Zach Taylor. Uh, it just seemed like a head coaching job was a little bit out of his reach, to be honest, when he got it. But if you remember back, that was the summer where the Bengals were struggling to get any coordinators or anything in. Uh, people didn't want to interview for them. So maybe that he was the, the the only resort really and they just went for a young guy but we'll see i hope for him they do better so he can keep his job but i wouldn't be very hopeful i do have a little cheeky bet on them to finish third in the division though uh with the wow. steelers steelers capitulating uh <laughs> with uh mason rudolph under center but i think i got it nine to two it's now five to two but uh let's just say i don't think it sounds like patrick you're going to be getting any Bengals to win the division odds at 25 to one there um, no, no, no. I, hope, I, I do hope that the offence is yeah, same. Good. Be as good as it looks on paper. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's look at the schedule then, because I know the first couple of games, people see it as them having a chance. They're at home to the Vikings in week one and away to the Bears in week two with the, the North v North. But what are your thoughts? I know they've got the Steelers then and the Jags. They've got a relatively good start, first four games. Yeah, they have a nice start. And then they've got the Lions in week six. I mean, you could be looking at week six. Taylor's, I mean, it's a nice start. The Vikings and the Bears, you've got to be looking at Zach Taylor's thinking, I probably need two or three of these games up to week six if they can get one, get a couple off the NFC North games and then beat the Jags to get some respectability. Then they've got the Jets coming up after the Raiders. Mate, they've got some winnable games here, but they've got to actually go out and win them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay on paper, isn't it? But you've actually got to go and win the games as well to keep your job. So I, I'm just not sure that they can. But if Burrow can somehow click in and he, they're going to be fine by mid-season, then I think they could be looking good on offence. But I'm not sure. Yeah, let's hope the offence at least is good. Um, it's a tough division regardless, so like you said, but maybe they could be going into uh, Detroit 4-1 and one with only losing to the Packers and Zach Taylor's on a high for coach of the year. Well, yeah, I mean, that'd be that, so, I'd love to see that because, I mean, the Bengals were a perennial playoff team, you know, six, seven years ago, so it'd be nice to get that back in there. Yeah, perennial first-round loss playoff team. I think, yeah. <laughs> with uh, the Red Rifle in the centre. But let's hope that Joe Burrow, I love Joe Burrow, so let's just hope that he can he can bounce back and uh, it doesn't really matter for him what happens this year. As long as he's healthy and has a good year, the offensive line improves and the weapons stay intact, then if Zach Taylor gets fired, then who cares? They can move on to, to a better coach, potentially. But let's just hope Joe Burrow is, is healthy. Uh, over under, then, 6.5. Higher than I thought, but I think that's because their schedule early on is is pretty good. Uh, I'll start us off. I think they're just going to win, like, three games, <laughs> um, three or four games. I think if the offense has clicks, they could win six games. But for me, that's still under anyway. So I think I'm going to go under quite confidently on this one. Yeah, I'm probably going to go under as well. If they can nick a couple of games at the start of the season, then they've got a slight chance of going over. But I just don't see it with the reports that's coming out of the camps. Yeah, I agree. Let's hope they start start to improve as the season gets closer. They've got a preseason game tonight, I think. So let's hope that uh, the offensive line can can improve. Uh, that leads us on then to finishing off with the division predictions uh, in terms of the order. When you kick us off, tell us your order. Who's going to finish first, second, third, and fourth? I'm going Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Bengals. I do think it's going to be razor sharp at the top. Though, I think it's close. I thought you were going to go the other way, but we have the same. 
uh, have Ravens first, Browns second, Steelers third, Bengals fourth. Um, if you look at the analytics, the Browns should win the division because uh, that Ravens Steelers Ravens sorry that Browns Steelers Browns segment for the Ravens could be an absolute nightmare. Everyone knows how many injuries there are in in Ravens Steelers games for how aggressive they are. But I think I'm just going to lean that Baker's going to have a bit of a worse season and, and Lamar he's still going to rush a lot. And I like Sammy Watkins for obvious reasons. So I think the offense will be better. So I'll go the, the same as you there. We've agreed. We're in lockstep on that one. That's about two, I think, out of the divisions that we've agreed on. <laughs> yeah, I think the AFC West and that division, I think we agreed on. The rest, uh, we've, had, uh, we've had many differences. But I think that's a, either first or second best division in football. So it's quite interesting we've seen it the same way. I think a lot of people are, are arguing Browns and Ravens, aren't they? And then the Steelers, obviously, their fans are adamant they can still go again. But we'll see. I think they have some of the most entertaining games throughout the whole season in this division. Yeah, definitely. I think this is kind of like everyone's. So when these games are on at the same time as other games, you kind of gravitate to them, don't you? It's yeah. There's some good stadiums as well, uh, and the Bengals' new uniforms are quite good as well. So there's some good uniforms in this. I like the Black Ravens one as well. So always fun to watch the uh, the AFC North. But uh, let's wrap it up there then. Um, remember to go follow us at, at underscore no sorry at go for two pod two being the number two. Go follow Patrick at, at Mugs NFL. In terms of the poddy, uh, next week we'll have our fancy expert back on Tyler. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Dynasty, talk about some sleepers, talk about some late-ranking guys. So talk about a different kind of crop of players that we did uh, on the first episode. And then after that, me and Patrick will be back for our full preview. We're going to predict the seven playoffs teams for each conference. And um, we're going to pick who's going to win each award. And then after that, we're pretty much fully into the season. So thanks again, mate, for joining me. Uh, and everyone listening, thanks again. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, speak to you soon, guys. And good luck whoever's going for general sale tickets this week in London. <laughs> Fingers crossed for every one of you. <laughs> <laughs>